This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Dan Adler, CFO of MapR, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 299. Um, so we started off um, with 10 flavors, some old, old ones in chocolate, vanilla, um, but then we had uh, some unique ones like a black and tan or vanilla foot chunk with pretzel. Um, and the old mint chocolate chips, kind of a mixture of, of the old and the new. And then um, 16 is when we expanded uh, into with tubs for food service. So by that point, we had the four different products, the, the quarts, the pints, the, uh, the three-gallon tubs, and the eight-ounce cups. You know, we tripled our, our, our original numbers in the first year. And we just, knowing that, um, it would have been great to have more money lined up sooner, not necessarily taking it, but if we said, you know, look, if we hit certain milestones, looking back now, um, we'd like to we'd like to raise this money. And it would have been a real interesting way to approach it because now you're not deluding yourself uh, up front at, in an unknown period, which we had questions about when we, we talked to people. But you hit those milestones and they say, okay, look, they're doing what they said they're going to do. And that would have been, I think, in hindsight, one of those aha moments. From the Middle Market Executive Digital Network, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we talk to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we welcome back Rob Borod, CFO of Yangling's Ice Cream. That's right, Yangling's, not the beer company, the ice cream company. Some of you might recall that in an earlier episode, Rob revealed how he approached David Yangling a cousin of the beer-making Yanglings, with the notion of reviving the family's ice cream company, a venture that ceased operations back in 1985. So it became a true startup once more. We thought we'd check back with Rob and allow him to update us about the firm's expansion and appetite for growth capital. Our show begins right after this message from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. Rob, in our earlier uh, discussion, you shared some of the details uh, behind your initial discussion with David Yangling and how you together would go on to establish the company. Before 
We ask you about uh, your recent growth and your plan to raise some capital here. Uh, can you share with us again some of the early details, maybe, behind how you and David uh, first conceived the business and how you took a hard look at this competitive space for ice cream? So David and I first, I actually approached David with the idea, so he likes to, I can use this joke before, but it's, it's really true, he would tell people if it worked out well, it was his idea, and if it didn't, it was mine, but um, he, he'd been approached over the years, but I was probably the first one who was very serious about re really relaunching, and at first he said no, and then he said, let's think about it, and then we put together a plan, and we had a whole number of people to talk to, and one was Dick Engling at the brewery, for example, but a manufacturer, and we did some research on sales and, and a whole bunch of things like Ben and Jerry's and who are the competitors, the Turkey Hills, the haagen the Ben and Jerry's, et cetera. Um, and one person we were introduced to was uh, a consultant, eventually became our COO and he recently left, but he'd worked with Ben and Jerry's for a number of years. So we, the, the purpose in meeting with him, and this could be anybody, is to sit down and hear all the pitfalls that you're going to go through in the industry, you know. This is what it's like trying to manufacture. Here's what it's like with spotting. Here's what it's like with deductions. Here's how the retailers do this. Here's, and he, he went through. Now, of course, he couldn't tell us everything, but we had a pretty good idea after that conversation uh, what was what was involved and the difficulties and how hard it could really be. And uh, he said, if you're still interested, then we can, you know, then then move forward. But if not, uh, that's fine as well. So. So can you provide us with a update on the company's growth? Sure, sure. I think, and, and I'm trying to remember as well, I think the conversation would have been in the, in the middle of 2014. And um, at that point, our, our major milestones, that at least we were shooting for, was there was top-line revenue, there were a um, number of stores to be in, and number of cases sold. Um, not, to, not to oversimplify, we looked at a lot of other things. And we finished 2014 um, better than we had projected, better than anticipated from a number of store perspective, case perspective, and a top-line revenue perspective. And um, even bottom line, um, we, we are, from our profit and loss perspective, we, we are kind of in line with what we, we thought we would do, um, adjusted, prorated pro for our, 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 our bigger growth. So that we finished that year, and what happened, I think, and a lot of companies, I think, who have a good year kind of fall in this, and you get very excited. You think, boy, we, we've done well. Let's, let's keep growing. And uh, that's – so just to, just to kind of put it all in perspective, um, you know, one of the things we – my job as a CFO, but I think as a company, we had to make sure we said, well, let's not grow too fast. Let's make sure we don't use up too much cash. Let's make sure we're, we're smart about our growth. Even, even when you try to do that, I think sometimes you can't always – uh, manage everything, and and um, we just continue to to grow um, geographically, which meant in, in increased growth in revenue, increased growth in stores, increased growth in cases, um, and in top line revenue as well. Uh, continue to grow all the way through 2015. So the metrics didn't really change, um, but one of the things we started to look more closely uh, look look at more closely was was profitability, which um, should always be on someone's radar. Um, but especially a small company without having raised uh, you know, a huge amount of capital. Um, that's, I think, an extremely important metric to, uh, you know, to, to keep an eye on. So I hope that's a, a quick overview of 14 and 15. Um, is there, I mean, we kind of pulled back in, in 16 for, for, some, for some specific reasons. Um, but I hope, I hope that's a, before I get into that, I wanted to at least address the, the first two years of our, 
of how we launched and how, how we grew. Give us a sense at this stage of the uh, company's growth, what you're paying close attention to. I don't think anyone would be surprised at what we focus on. Um, again, not focusing much on profitability early on was somewhat intentional. Um, not that you want to lose money, but you realize it's going to be there until you hit a certain either threshold with quantity or certain certain margins. It depends how, how you how you structure things. Um, if you sell lower quantities, you want to have a lot usually have, generally have larger margins and bigger quantities, generally the smaller margins. I mean, obviously you have larger quantities and bigger margins, all the better. But um, So we had some idea, but as we started looking at retailers and the, whether those upfront fees that we talked about slotting, <clears throat> excuse me, if they had them, or the promotional fees, and we start looking at not just the cost that we sell to them, but the overall cost throughout the year, um, are we making money? Are we making as much money with customer A as we are with customer B? Um, was that promotion really worthwhile? And, and so, okay, you didn't make a lot of money, but it got into a lot of people's hands, or we had a lot of news about it, or it was the best coupon promotion they've ever had. And now, you know, 10,000 more people tried your product. So there are a lot of different strategic reasons to do something, even though it's not always economical. And that's, you have to try to balance those two. Those are the things that I think are things we learned and things we had, had to learn how to balance. So when it comes to uh, funding the growth of the company, what's your plan? What's what are you up to? Well, we, as you you probably know personally as well as through you know, a number of different conversations you've had, raising capital is for the most part never easy. Um, there's some people out there that I've seen tend to have an easier time than others, but it always you always need more than you think, and it always takes twice as long as you expect. So the goal was to raise raise more capital. For, for the growth. That was a very, very simple premise. Um, the question was how, and we had some ideas and our board had some ideas. There's concern about dilution and control. So all those things that companies deal with. Um, and then we went out for some interim capital um, and we went through that process and raised some money. And then we, then we finally said to ourselves, well, look, we could grow slowly and raise money on a fairly regular basis, which takes time. I said, or we can, we can really look big. And it's not an ego thing. It's just either what's the best thing for the company? What's what's what do we really want to do with this? And so we decided we wanted to raise a large amount of money and and really really make an effort to to grow geographically with products, et cetera. So we realized we'd have to raise some interim capital and then have a larger raise. And the question was, how do we do the larger raise? And then again, this comes down to well, there's private equity and there's there's strategics and there's family offices. And then there's, um, we were introduced through a friend of mine to what's called the Reg, Regulation A public offering, which is essentially a mini IPO. And this is, I think, I know this is where you're going. So we decided to at least explore this. And we met with several different investment banking groups. One in particular uh, really focuses on these, on the Reg A. And what it, what it is, is you can, you can file to go public. The requirements are, are less um, to get public, the costs are significantly less. There's no quiet period. And then the reporting requirements are less. So you still have the, the luxury of being public, but you don't have all the requirements of a normal publicly traded company. Um, and that really intrigued us. And especially with the brand, do you think, like Ben and Jerry's did in 84, they said to all the people in New Hampshire, or I'm sorry, Vermont, um, buy a steak in this. You're buying ice cream anyway. And our idea was get people out all over because we're now in 24 states or whatever we were at the time 
um, you know, buy some of the shares, and then, and then if they own the shares, hopefully they'll go out and they'll buy the buy the ice cream. So that was our 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 thought behind that that um, that type of offering. What we what we decided as we raised some interim capital over the last six to nine months was we're still pursuing that path, going down the audits and doing everything that we need to do to get ready for that. Um, but just so you know, full disclosure, um, we've had some interest from larger groups that said. Well, we're not opposed to that. We think your idea of having the shareholders and the customers, and we think that's a really intriguing idea. But you know, maybe we'll come in, invest some money, stay private for now, and then in a year or two, when your revenues have grown to from where you are now to X plus, you know, X times two or X times three, whatever it is, um, then we can look at some exits, whether it's the public offering, whether it's a strategic, whether it's a private equity. Firm. Um, so we are now going down this dual path, and, and our investment bankers are. We talked to them about this, and they're, they're they, um, very open to it. Um, so we're now looking at, at both avenues as as we're moving forward here. So that's really where we are right now. I just want to point out I'm uh, visiting your website, Pennsylvania's Finest, Euline's Ice Cream. Love our ice cream? Be an investor and own a scoop of the company. So you're, you're taking a rather direct approach right to your uh, your customers. Right. If I, if I can... I, I, I really um, just want to back off for a second. I kind sure. of skipped over, and I talked about the interim capital. Right. What you're referring to is the, the technical name, I guess, is a 506C, which is an offering to accredited investors. That That's the interim round that I was referring to where we're raising capital right now to bridge. It's more of a bridge than anything uh, between where we were and, and where we are with either the Reg A offering or with with the larger groups that we're talking to. Um, so that's it's called a 506C, and essentially it's it's um, it's being done. We've had some large investments done privately, uh, but we've done s- several investments through a crowdfunder site, which we we found interesting. People were able to go and look at it. If they're accredited, it can be vetted, and then they can make investments through through the crowdfunder site. And, I mean, only hindsight will really tell. Um, in hindsight, or, or we talked about. Uh, what if we gone more traditional? What if we raised more money up front? What if we sold a bigger stake to a larger firm? And we we'd be doing things differently. But uh, so we're definitely not doing it traditionally. Even the crowdfunder is definitely not not overly traditional. I mean, there's there are many many examples of companies uh, and successful ones that have done crowdfunding, um, grown a little bit, and then taken more more traditional forms of of, uh, of uh, investments. Um, so I, I think we're kind of a hybrid and or kind of in the middle ground, um, somewhat traditional, um, but also somewhere in that middle ground of the, the crowdfunding and definitely on the Reg A side. Um, there are not that many companies that are taking advantage of that yet. Um, there, there may be and there probably will be, but, but right now there aren't too many. And I, so I think we're in the early, I'm not usually an early adopter, whether, whether it's phones or whatever but uh in this case i think we're we're early kind of early to that that um that party when it comes to raising capital so we you know if we do go through with the reggae which again i think would be a wonderful opportunity um be very interesting i think will help set set the stage for other companies down the road just like a few other ones have set the stage for us
Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. So the company seems to be experiencing some nice growth, uh, but I always like to ask, uh, looking back, and it hasn't been all that long, but looking back, um, what might you have done differently knowing what you do now? I, again, I'd be remiss to say that we haven't made any mistakes here. I'm trying to think, one, which ones I'll admit, and, and two, um, which ones I feel are worth worthwhile repeating. Um, you know, the, the capital part, in hindsight, seeing how fast the demand took off for, for us, and, you know, we tripled our, our original numbers in the first year. And we just, knowing that, um, it would have been great to have, more money lined up sooner, not necessarily taking it, but if we said, you know, look, if we hit certain milestones, looking back now, um, we'd like to, we'd like to raise this money, and it would have been a real interesting way to approach it because now you're not deluding yourself uh, up front at, in an unknown period, which we had questions about when we we talked to people, but you hit those milestones and they say, okay, look, they're doing what they said they're going to do, and that would have been, I think, in hindsight, one of those aha moments. Looking back now. Um, and capital is always really important, for, especially in our, our industry. So, Rob, we appreciate uh, the time once again. And uh, but before we go, we have to get to the real uh, strategy question here. Uh, what flavors have you added? So we started off um, with 10 flavors, and then we added 3 and 15 and 3 and 16. Before it's, it's, you're taxing my memory here. Um, and then we added uh, another 2 this year, so in uh, 17. So we started off with some, some old old ones, you know, chocolate, vanilla, um, but then we had a, some unique ones like a black and tan or vanilla fudge chunk with pretzel, um, and the old mint chocolate chips, kind of a mixture of, of the old and the new. And then um, added a few new flavors set in uh, in six and fifteen and sixteen, a sea salt caramel. Um, we have we just added a vanilla fudge chunk with I'm sorry, a cherry vanilla chunk. Um, we have in fact. <laughs> This is this is very new, which I'll get into uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, but we added some new flavors even this year. For example, strawberry, which is probably the most heavily requested over the years. Uh, we had we just had to find a, a good combination of of the of the base and then uh, natural strawberries. So we added strawberry this year, which has been selling very well. So I've got to believe black and tan was sort of a natural fit here. Well, black and tan. Not only is it the, the name, I think, resonates with with the consumer uh, because of the Yingling name and the, and the beer. But again, as we, we told people from the very beginning uh, when they asked about the ice cream, just in general, well, of course people are going to buy it because the Yingling is, no, they might buy it once because of the name. They're not going to buy it again unless they like the ice cream and the quality. So the same is true. I think with the black and tan, it's the, the sea salt caramel swirl with the Dutch, um, Dutch chocolate, um, you know, the, the, the rich chocolate. I, I think, I think people just really like that flavor. 
Um, so and, and, and it continues to be our, our best seller. Uh, fortunately, we've rounded out a nice five, six, seven flavors, not just one runaway, which is really nice to have. Rob, thanks for uh, taking the time to update us here, and uh, good luck. It sounds like it, it'll be an important year for uh, Yinling ice cream. No, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be on here as well. It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.